This is Meg Tilton at the 8 Cow Life, episode number 18, Taking Back the Remote, part 2. This is the 8 Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are, and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry, and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, on a beautiful Monday morning here in Missouri. It's sunny and cold. Um, It's, I don't know, November 20th? Excuse me. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody, on this beautiful Monday morning. I'm so glad you each are here. Um, We had a great week again in the Tilton household, and we are totally gearing up for Thanksgiving. I am very excited about it this year. I'm, um, we got invited to some friend's house, so I don't have to host this year. Although I love hosting, but it is nice to get invited and to be able to cook and leave my kitchen a mess and go and enjoy somebody else's clean house. So I'm totally excited about that. I hope you guys all have some really great Thanksgiving plans coming up for each of you and that it's a great holiday for you. Okay, so I was thinking about what I was going to share with you this week about myself, and my friend started um, a trail running group recently, and we've only gone two times, and we've run the same trail that's uh, near where we live, and I have decided that hands down, I am a winter runner. I like to run when it's really cold outside, which... I know a lot of people don't, but I, I do. I love it because the first week we went, it was cold, really cold. And I just love running in that temperature. My body responds really well to that. And, um, once you get going, you're not so cold anymore. And then this last, um, Saturday, we had this kind of spell of really warm weather Saturday morning, and then it got really cold in the afternoon, but it, I didn't even wear a sweatshirt I was in a short sleeve shirt and I ran and I was hurting. I just didn't like running in that temperature. And it was only like in the sixties, maybe seventies, but it was too, it was too warm for me. I would do well in Canada. I've decided I've always secretly wanted to live in Canada. I think Canadians just, I don't know, they're cool for some reason. So anyway, I would do really well in Canada, I think, because it's nice and cold up there. And, um, yeah, and I took my dog for the first time, which was really fun. We have a pretty new to us still, um, chocolate brown standard poodle and he's huge and he is so elegant. He walks like a horse, like just this elegant, like really elegant horse. And, um, he's just a beautiful dog and his name is Nestle. And I ran with him on Saturday and that was really fun. And it, it was good for him because it made him tired the rest of the day. And he's only one. So he's still a puppy and into everything and, you know, just a ball of energy. So that was really fun for me to be able to do that. I've never had a dog that I've taken running with me. Okay. So today on the podcast, I am continuing what we talked about last week, which is 
talking about our emotional controllers, our emotional remotes. And today I'm going to address why that can be so hard to take back our emotional controllers or emotional remotes and hand back everybody else's. And why this is really um, a necessary and mature way of dealing with our emotions. And if we want to live a life of emotional control, we need to really be able to understand this concept. So one of the hardest things we do as humans is to learn to be in charge of it and control of how we think, how we feel, and how we act. We struggle a lot of times with the concept of being solely in charge of our emotions. A lot of times we like to allow ourselves to believe that we are forced by others or by our circumstances to feel a certain way. And so taking back responsibility for how we feel isn't easy or comfortable. So we like to assign that responsibility to someone or something else. And I want to introduce you to the concept called emotional childhood. In last week's podcast, if you haven't listened to episode 17 yet, please go back and listen to that one first and then come back here and continue listening. In that episode, I talked about our tendency to hand our emotional remotes over to others or to collect the emotional remotes of others. Now, when we do this, we are operating from a place of emotional childhood. So children are in a state of learning about their emotions as they grow into adulthood. They look to adults to know how they should act and respond emotionally in certain situations. Children often believe they have control over others' emotions. Let me give you an example. If a child sees his parents arguing, he may believe that he caused the disagreement because he didn't do his chores that day. Children make others' emotions mean something about them and what they did or didn't do. Now, in a perfect world, children grow up and are able to witness adults who take control of their own emotions. Children eventually transition from believing they are controlling others to realizing that they really can only control their own emotions. Emotional childhood evolves into emotional adulthood. It is emotional adulthood that we are all trying to achieve. Now, let's not forget the part where I said, in a perfect world. Many of us as children do not have adult role models who demonstrate healthy emotional adulthood. The transition from emotional childhood to an emotional adulthood does not always happen, or we may operate from a place of an emotional adulthood only in certain situations or with certain people. Even when we do have emotional adults in our lives who model emotional adulthood, we do not all shift there automatically. The transition from emotional childhood to emotional adulthood takes work, but it's work that is so worth it. Emotional childhood exhibits itself very visibly when it comes to negative emotions. Negative emotions usually cause us discomfort in some way. You will often hear people say, he made me so angry or she frustrates me. We like to blame negative emotions that we may be feeling on others. But at times, we will even give credit to someone else for our positive emotions. Positive emotions usually create feelings we like, feelings that energize and uplift us. 
we will often hear someone say, she makes me feel so loved, or he brings out the best in me. In both of these examples of negative and positive emotions, the person identified as the one responsible for the emotions really isn't. Any emotions a person is feeling stem from thoughts that person is thinking. Let's run through a scenario to show you how you can approach a situation from a place of emotional adulthood. I want you to think of a person you believe causes you negative emotions. This can be your spouse, one of your children, a friend, a parent or in-law, your boss or coworker, the random checkout lady at the grocery store. It can be anyone. Once you have identified this person, I want you to describe to yourself how they make you feel. Do they make you feel irritated, frustrated, angry, sad? Now think of why they have the power to create that feeling or feelings in you. Is it because they are in a position of authority over you? Is it because you have authority over them? Is it because that's how it has always been? Is it because they do something you think they shouldn't do or vice versa? I want you to really look at what is causing you to give them that power. Now try to identify the exact thought you are having about what that person said or did that is causing you to feel that way. I will use myself as an example. Once I had a friend who didn't invite me to a party I felt I should have been invited to. In this example, my friend's actions, quote unquote, made me feel sad. My thoughts were, I thought we were good friends, or I never would have done that to her. But to control my own life from a position of emotional adulthood, I need to recognize that it's the thought not the person or event who is creating that sad emotion for me. I can always choose a different thought. Continuing with this example, many of you are probably saying, no, you are totally wrong, Meg. It was the fact that she didn't invite you that is making you sad. That's what I used to think too. But think of it this way. Have you ever found out about something you weren't invited to that didn't quote-unquote make you sad? Yes, me too. It wasn't the fact that I didn't get invited that made me not sad. It was the thought that I had about it. Sometimes we are happy to not get invited places and sometimes we are sad. Here's the really important thing to remember though. I'm not telling you you shouldn't feel one way or another. I'm just trying to help you see that you are choosing to feel that emotion and no one is quote unquote making you feel that way. You are making yourself feel that way by the way that you think. And next week, I'm going to go into part three of this and give you very specific examples of how I've done this in my own life. So a few weeks ago at church, we were talking about being self-reliant. We often equate the phrase self-reliant to our temporal needs, like food storage, getting an education, having money saved for a time of need. 
We also talk about the need for spiritual self-reliance and how we can't live off the testimonies of others. May I suggest that we should also start working on emotional self-reliance. This means moving out of emotional childhood and into emotional adulthood so we can truly be self-reliant when it comes to how we feel in dealing with people and life circumstances. How does it feel to know that you can be 100% responsible for the way you feel? Are you feeling a little bit scared? Unsure? Are you feeling liberated or awe-inspired? It may be a little bit of all of those or a combination of some others, but learning to see things from a place of emotional adulthood, taking back your rightful place at the head of your emotions, will not only change your life, but everyone else's around you. It will take time and energy, but it will be time and energy well spent. And as I said just a little bit ago, I am going to spend all next podcast developing this more and showing you how I've done that in my own life. Because I am telling you, friends, if you can master this, if you can be in control of your emotions and take responsibility for them, it will change your life in ways you never thought possible. It will open up your life to so much more happiness, so much more control, and so much more peace. And I don't know about you, but those are all emotions I really want to feel. And I like to feel in control. And I like to be the one that's in charge. And I think most of us would say that. Most of us desire to be emotional adults. But it's hard. It is really hard. But I'm here and I'm going to help you learn how to do it. So stick with me. Okay, so that is your assignment this week. When you are sitting at a table this Thanksgiving with a relative that you might consider annoying and that they annoy you, I want you to really reflect, why am I feeling annoyed? What am I thinking that's causing that? And why am I giving that person so much power? Okay, Take it back, friends. Take that emotional controller back from that person and own your emotions. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to have an amazing Thanksgiving. Okay, so that's the podcast for today, the topic. But last week, I promised you a recipe because I have some really good recipes. Okay, it's one of my talents that I can look at recipes and know if it's going to taste good. And so here is my roll recipe. And I don't know about you, but rolls are one of my favorite things with butter and jam or honey. I mean, I could eat them all day. So this is a roll recipe I've had for quite a while, and it came from one of my mom's friends. And I'm going to rename these rolls since I'm giving them to you. They're called Meg's Rolls, okay? So when everybody asks you for the recipe, you're like, these are Meg's rolls, okay? All right, here you go. So you're going to have two sticks of butter, which is one cup of butter, okay? And then you're going to boil a cup of water and pour it over the butter. You can do this with frozen butter, but it's really would go much faster if you did it with um, 
soft butter. So put two sticks of soft butter into a bowl, a mixing bowl. Then put one cup of boiling hot water on top. Then put another cup of really hot tap water on top of that. So you're going to have two cups of water. And you want to let that melt the butter. So maybe like 10 minutes. Once the butter's pretty much melted, you're going to add three-fourths of a cup of sugar and two tablespoons of yeast. And you're going to mix that up and then you're going to let it sit there until the yeast like kind of bubbles up on top, like probably another 10 to 15 minutes. And then what you're going to do is you're going to add two eggs, a teaspoon of salt, and a teaspoon of baking powder, and then mix that up. And then this is the key, my friends. This is the key to these rolls being awesome. You have to go to the store and you have to buy bread flour, okay? Not like your normal all-purpose flour. It has to be bread flour. It's in the bread, it's in the flour section at the store. There's like Pillsbury makes it and I don't know who else. There's one that's like in a yellow bag. It used to be called better for bread flour, but now they just call it bread flour. So get a bag of bread flour. I have like eight bags of this stuff in my house in my food storage. These are the only rolls I ever make. And you're going to add five to six cups of this flour. What you want to do is you want to add just enough so it's pulling away from the sides of your bowl. And you don't want it too wet, but you don't want it too dense either. And then once it's just kind of starting to pull away, five to six cups, you're going to be fine doing that. Then you take out your mixer and you cover it with um, like a towel and you let it rise. I let it rise for maybe like an hour. And then what you do is you divide it into three sections and you spread the better for bread flour on your counter to roll it out. Don't use all purpose flour, I'm telling you. It's gonna make it not work, okay? Trust me on this one. You roll it out into basically a circle. Mine is never a perfect circle. And then cut it into 16 like wedges. So divide it into like four and then eight and then 16. And then you roll it from the fat end, like it'll, they'll be like triangles and you roll it from the fat end to the skinny end, like a crescent roll. That's what it's going to look like. Plop it on your, um, baking sheet. And technically you're supposed to let them rise again, but I don't. And I just stick them in the oven at 400 degrees for about 10 minutes until they start browning on the top. And I'm telling you, you will be the queen of the party, okay, if you bring these rolls. They're so awesome. So if you have any questions, please write me and I will get back to you. So here's what you need. You need a cup of butter, two cups of water, one is boiling, three-fourths cup of sugar, two tablespoons of yeast, two eggs, one teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of baking powder, and five to six cups of better for bread or bread flour. That's the key, bread flour. If you use all purpose and you tell me it doesn't turn out right, then that's your own fault, okay? So make these, it's awesome. You will love them, promise. 
Okay, I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. I'm sorry if you heard my kids in the background trying to get this done on Monday morning and we're off to run errands and go to ballet and get people off to school. So I hope you all have a fabulous Thanksgiving and that you are just as happy as can be because you're the ones in control of it. And I will be back next week to share how this has worked in my own life. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.